0: Hello. Kim was busy in the back and said she was too busy for me. Okay, everybody, good morning. Go ahead and have a seat. They're not listening because they're all getting food. Hello, in the back. Let's go ahead and have a seat. I'll wait. I'm good with that. (laughs) So, as a disclaimer, I had yesterday to prepare and only yesterday, to prepare. So, um, by the grace of God, we are going to do this. Yes! I'm very excited, actually. Because when I read, well, I'd read House's notes earlier in the week, and I knew it was about imagination. I'd love to talk about that. So we're going to go ahead and pass the offering buckets now, because we forgot earlier. And so go ahead and put your connection cards in there, and the offerings in the bucket, while we wait for the stragglers. So we are talking about 2020 vision, and are you ready? Um, we're new decade, new vision, fresh vision, fresh life. Um, last week, we talked about the power of atten- intention. As um, Stan said earlier, um, God asked Solomon in 1 Kings, uh, what do you want? What do you need? What do you desire? And Solomon answered him, wisdom. Because I don't know how to lead, I don't know how to do any of this. So we asked him for wisdom, and God gave him wisdom and so much more. And um, we have not because we asked not. Is that what we learned last week? And so we were. Our homework was we made a list last week of the three things we our hearts desire. But we were told, right? I said, but expand it. Steve Harvey wrote a lit, told us to write a list of 300 things we wanted, and as God answered them, check them off. So. um we we're supposed to ask the list, and we we're supposed to ask God for what we want, so that we could be intentional about setting our goals, intentional about reaching our dreams, intentional, intentional about um, being close to God and seeing what He wants for us. This week, we're going to be um, doing uh, Chapter Three in the Maxwell Maltz um, book. This book right here, Psycho Cybernetic. If you've not read this, I've only read one chapter yesterday, chapter 3. It is fascinating. I learned so much. I'm like, I can't wait to read this whole book now. Most of the time, house gives me books, and they're so way over my head, I, I get bored with them very easily. But this is a fascinating book, and we're going to be looking at Judges seven thirteen through 14, if you want to get your Bibles ready. And we're going to be talking about uniting your imagination for breakthroughs. And imagination is key in our life in our relationship with God, in prophecy, in dreams, in visions, in uh, words of knowledge, we have to have our imagination ignited. And so many of us, when we were kids, were told, it's just your imagination, don't worry about it, don't think about it, you know, stop it, right? That we forgot how to use our imagination. And all you have to do is watch a kid for a while, right? Um, I was with Everett for a couple hours yesterday. And his imagination is fantastic. He can take a little stick and it became, can become a whole storyline. And he goes, oh, let's do this now. And let's do this. And he jumps from one thing to another, to another, and to that. I forgot who I was portraying after a while because I went through so many transformations. But my nieces are the same way. They love to imagine. And we forgot how to have that childlike imagination um, as we've grown up. Now I have to get back to my notes because I went way off. Um, so in our imagination, what is stopping us? What's stopping us from having breakthroughs in our life? What is stopping us from having our goals met? You know, we begin the year and make all these bold resolutions. What's stopping us from, make, you know, completing those? What's stopping us from dream dreaming big? Dreams? Dreaming big dreams. So I get nervous and then I talk too fast. We, we do. All limit, all limitations are self-imposed. We um, we start thinking, and we start this, at, I think middle school. I think middle school is when we start having those weird thoughts about ourselves, right? Our bodies are changing, we get gangly, and we're, you know, going through hormone changes, and we start doubting ourselves. When, as kids, we think, whew, we're going to rule the world. And then middle school hit, those teenagers hit. And we start to doubt ourselves, and we start thinking, and we carry this into adulthood, that I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not handsome enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not perfect. Oh dear God, who is, right? I am certainly not perfect, but I have perfect perfectionism tendencies tendency that I've been working on for years, because I would not do something if I couldn't do it perfectly. And that stops me from doing a lot of things, like getting in front of people and talking. So, obviously, I've overcome that because I talk and I don't get things perfect. But we have these thoughts and it limits us. It limits our imagination. It limits our success. It limits our, limits our relationship with God. It limits what God can do in us and through us. It limits our success. And I love this quote. Limitations live only in our minds. But if we use our imagination, our possibilities become limitless. And then to that, you're right. So using our minds, our imagination, and that quote was by Jamie Palnetti. God created us in his image. He created us just a shady below. I guess I could read it here. That's so um, God created us in His imagination, and He created us with imaginations to dream big and wild dreams—not just dream big, but wild dreams. And God has thoughts about each one of us. He has so many reasons, um, so many awesome things for us to live, that we can't even fathom them. And that's where the scripture comes in. It's 1 Corinthians 2, 8-9. through But the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. That is what the scripture means when it says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. We cannot even imagine what God has prepared for each one of us. He created us with a purpose and a plan. And this is, I love Sean Bolt. He's one of the people I love to read and listen to and go see. And he says, before God created each one of us, he handcrafted our lives, our destinies, our callings, our personalities, and our passions. He built into you everything you would need to partner with him to see his fullness manifest in your life. And oh, what a fullness he has for you. Developing a life in God that is conductive to being a dreamer is something you have to pursue and grow in. It is not always natural to our human senses because it requires our relationship with God to bear fruit. So many challenges come up with living this kind of faith. So it is more of an earned virtue. We have to grow it. We have to pursue it. And this uh, this is Georges St. Pierre. Yeah. Using your imagination to create mental images stimulates your mind, helps organize your life, and keeps your focus in a particular direction. It allows your unconscious mind to work toward the image you have created, the goal. It's about understanding the life you want to live and see it unfold before you. Now, there's many, many studies that have shown how imagination has worked. Um, in this book, that were reading Maxwell Malt's book, um, he was showing case studies of people and their imaginations working. And it was amazing to see the results. People shooting baskets. One group was shooting baskets. One, they all tested shooting baskets, 20 baskets. How many did they get? They counted the score. And then they divided all the people in three groups. One group shot baskets every single day for like 20 minutes. The other group didn't do anything. Then the third group imagined shooting baskets in their mind. They never touched a basketball. And then I think it's like 20 days. I forget the number amount of days. They tested them all again. Now, the group that didn't do anything, do you think they improved their score? No, nothing. The group that shot baskets every day improved their score by 24%. The group that imagined shooting baskets improved their score by 23% and never touched the ball in between the two scores. Our imaginations are key to what we do and how we connect connect with God, how we have breakthroughs. And so if our imaginations can help us shoot baskets, think of what our imaginations can do in the rest of our life, right? It takes our imaginations to interpret dreams and connect the dots. Dreams and visions are a deep well. And whoever had the dream and judges, which we're going to read in just a second, um, whoever had the dream and then whoever interpreted dreams dream had vivid imaginations that God could use them, even though they probably were not believers. Because God can use non-believers as well, as long as they have an imagination. Let's look at Judges. Judges 7, 13 through 14. Gideon crept up just as a man was telling his companion about a dream. The man said, I had this dream, and in my dream, a loaf of barley bread came tumbling down into the Midianite camp. It hit a tent, turned it over, and knocked it flat. Now, if I heard that dream, I'd say, are you hungry? Right? Barley loaf? That's kind of crazy. But here's what his friend said. His companion answered, your dream can mean only one thing. God has given Gideon son of Joash, the Israelite, victory over Midian and all its allies. Now, when I first read that, I'm like, how did he get that? It is only in his imagination and God downloading into him and him being open to hearing God, even though they were not believers in God, to be able to get that. And Gideon heard that. And we're going to read the rest of the story surrounding that so you can get the full picture at the end of this message. So, what can we take away from this? One, imagination is the key to your success mechanism. In the book, it talks about your auto mechanism and your success mechanism, and basically, it's how our bodies work to to breathe, to be successful, and all that. And in conclusion, they said our imagination is the key to that. Our imagination. Um, our imagination is key in making sure that we can, yeah, I'm totally lost in my notes. It's key to have dreams and dreams. How many of you have dreams, dreams, you know, on a nightly basis? See, some of us do, some of us don't. I'm going to tell you like, I haven't been. I think my mind's been so preoccupied with other things that I haven't been able to. But we've dreamed dreams that God will tell us things. How many of you have taken your dreams and said, okay, Lord, what does this mean? right that's what we need to do when we dream a dream at night ask the lord what does that mean in the morning write it down and then ask the lord what does that mean at times you can get a vision i get visions while i'm driving it's scary but it's usually at a red light thank you god but i'll get vi- he'll all of a sudden i will get a vision while i'm driving and i have to put tuck it aside and say okay lord later in the day what does that mean lord? or maybe you get words of knowledge all of that is part of our imagination Also, in our businesses, in our relationships, if we don't have our imagination ignited, then those will only go as far as we can personally get. We can't do this all on our own power. If you want to be successful, most of the the main successful people, Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, um, uh, Henry Ford, all these big... Inventors, all these big businessmen credit their imagination for, for, for propelling them forward. It's their imagination. They imagine from the moment they get on a stage or, you know, that they're on a stage or they're making cars, or they're doing great things. Athletes, for sure, when they talk to most high-performance athletes, they'll say, I've been dreaming of this moment since I was a little kid. They imagine themselves standing on the victory um, platform. Thank you. They dream about the gold medal hanging around their neck. They dream. Football players. Super cool. They've dreamed about winning MVP, about winning the Super Bowl trophy. They dream that from when they are little kids, and their imagination propels them forward. It propels them into success. Businessmen the same way, or women, the same way. When we can imagine our great success, we're going to be propelled forward by that. So imagination is key. And like I said before, um, we do a disservice to kids, really anyone, when we say it's just your imagination. Our imagination helps us reach our goals. No one is ever, ever able to outperform what he or she can imagine. And expanding our imaginations are essential, are essential in growing our faith, reaching our, goal, our ro- goals, our goals. Imagination sets our goal picture and our subconscious soul, and our spirit, and the Holy Spirit work to guide us to that destination. So when we can imagine imagine our goal and the destination, the Holy Spirit works with us and in us to help us get there. Amen? Okay, so get your imagination going. Two, we need to know um, that there is creative versus destructive imagination. Have you ever had the voices in your head telling you, bad things about yourself. You will always be this. You will always do this. That's a destructive imagination. And so we need to know the difference. Now, um, Dr. Maltz had a family brain. He is a plastic surgeon, by the way, okay? And he was realizing that he was doing surgery on patients, and they still weren't happy. They still had the same problems, and many of them would come back for more surgery. And he finally realized it wasn't about the appearance, their appearance. It was about what was inside. It was about their imagination, their destructive imagination doing them harm. And so this family brought in their son, 40 year old. He had jobs, but he kept moving around and he stuck to himself. He had no relationships, no friends, nothing. He'd go to work, come home and go into his room and sit because he saw himself in fact, everyone saw him as ugly. He had a large nose. He could see his large nose. He could see his ears that just protruded out to, you know, horrible length. He knew people were laughing at him and making fun of him. And so he couldn't go out. He didn't want to do anything. And what happened is that Dr. Maltz, when he came in, thought, well, okay, yeah, his ears are a little protruding, but it's not bad. And his nose is that Romanesque nose. It was a family nose. It wasn't Pinocchio nose. It was a nice nose. And he realized that it was all his destructive imagination causing him harm. And so he wouldn't do the surgery on it. And instead worked with him to help him realize that it was himself telling him all these wacky things. And so, um, he said, It He got him to see that it was imagination, not his actual features, and that made him miserable because worry can create a destructive behavior. And so when we worry about something, what happens to the voices in our head? We go down a pit, don't we, at times? And so that's a destructive behavior or imagination. We need to stop that. When that starts happening, just say, Lord, stop this destructive imagination. Help me to really have that creative imagination. So the next one is creative imagination, and that is when faith, the word, and prayer, we can develop our creative imagination, like God wants us to, like God made us to, use our creative imagination to propel us forward, to reach our goals, to have success, to look at ourselves in the mirror as God sees us. How many think? How many people think that if we could see ourselves, if everyone could see ourselves, see themselves? As God had created them, in God's image, this world would be a much better place. We would have less depression, less bullying, less suicide, right? Less drug use, alcohol use. If we could just see ourselves as God has created us. We are each, you guys are all beautiful, I'm going to tell you that. Because God created you. Third, truth determines action and behavior. We always, and without exception, act in accordance with what we imagine to be true about ourselves. Just like the guy, right? He imagines that he is ugly, because he's got these prominent features. Was that the truth? No, but he acted as if it was. So, our bodies are are formed, our brains and our nervous systems work together, so that when our imagination kicks in, so say, like, I'm walking in the woods and I see a bear, what do we do? We run, right? Fight or flight. So we're going to fight. We're going to run. Now, if my imagination is in high gear, and I see a man dressed as a bear, but I'm thinking it's a, am imagining it's a true bear, what I'm going to do? I'm going to run. Now I'm going to tell you about a really embarrassing story about myself. This was many years, probably like 20 years ago. I was taking a shower early in the morning. I was going to get ready for work. And I was taking a shower, and I was Finished. I was reaching to turn the water off when I looked down and I saw a snake head in my bathtub. I jumped. My heart is pounding. I am shaking. I am now standing halfway in my bathroom, out of the tub, shaking, screaming. No one's around to help me. Cause, you know. And so I'm going, "Oh my God, there is a snake in my bathtub." And so, because it was right at the drain, so I imagined that the snake had come up through the drain. So I'm thinking, "How the world did the snake come?" Finally, I started calming down. And I started scooching, you know, closer to the bathtub and I looked in and it's, the head's still moving like a snake head. And I'm thinking, Can a snake it? Am I think, snake really fit in my drain like that? You've heard the stories, right? Snakes come up through toilets through drains, so my imagination has gone wild. Well, as I reached you know, I don't know why I was afraid to turn off the water, because, you know, my water is up here and the snake is way down there. So I finally turned off the water, and as the water and the suds, you know, disappear, I realized it is not a snake. It is a black headband that I had had in my hair the night before that I forgot to take off, and I washed my hair, and it fell into the drain. My imagination told my head what it saw, and my body reacted. I know. embarrassing. I know. I can't believe I told you my story. I laughed so hard after that. that I was thinking, wow. So the truth, our imagination can tell us the truth. Funny, stakes, not stakes, headband. Or, you know, look, God's image, that's the truth. We are created in God's image. Let's look at ourselves that way. God wants the best for us. He just told us that, you know, earlier I read. He wants the best for us. He has a purpose and a plan. That is the truth that our minds need to know so our body can respond. If we can imagine our goals, if we can imagine the truth, in our bodies and our behaviors will go towards it you know just like those people shooting basketball. I imagine I'm gonna make every shot. My score went up by twenty three percent because I imagined it it told my head that which my my actions and my behavior believed it and that was my truth and so I improved my score. So truth determines action and behavior. I still can't believe I told you my same story. <sighs> Number four, finding your best self. Changing what we and can what we imagine can change our lives. A person can change he or she before a person before a person can change, he or she must see himself or herself changed. We need to see ourselves as God sees us. As I said before, finding our best self. God's already created our best selves, we just need to see it. And we need to look through God's eyes to see it. We need to have the imagination that God had when he created us for us to see it and to pursue it. Look in the mirror. And it's really hard, women, I'm telling you too, because I know it's really hard for women to look in the mirror and really look at ourselves. Because we have image problems. So look in the mirror, and you do this too. Look in the mirror and say, Lord, show me what you see. I promise you, you will. It might take breath. I had to do this one because I didn't recognize the person in the mirror time in my life. Lord, I want to see what you do. And it took a little bit of practice, and I finally saw it. I saw what he created and who he created. And I became a child of God in a stronger way. My relationship with God improved. And so finding our best self is finding more about God and who he is in us and through us and for us. So find your best self. Know the truth about yourself. We were created in God's image, created a little lower, our wood shading lower than the angels. You know how small little wood shavings are, right? We were created just a hair's breadth, wood shading below the angels. And we were given given dominion. Our purpose is to glorify God and in glory, glor- to glorify God in everything we do and how we express ourselves. The truth about ourselves is we are God's children. We are created in God's image, and we are created a hair's breadth from an angel. I'm going to read this. This is page 44 of chapter 3 in this book, Psycho-Cybernetics. And it says, As Dr. Leslie D. Weatherhead had said, If we have in our minds a picture of ourselves as fear-haunted and defeated nobodies, we must get rid of the picture at once and hold up our heads. That is a false picture and, is the, and the false must go. God sees us as men and women in whom and through whom he can do a great work. He sees us already serene, confident, and cheerful. He sees us not as pathetic victims of life, but masters of the art of living. I love that. Masters of the art of living. And not wanting sympathy, but imparting help to others, and therefore thinking less and less of ourselves, and full, not of self-concern, but of love and laughter and desire to serve. Let us look at the at our real selves, which are in the making the moment we believe in their existence. We must recognize the possibility of change and believe in the self we are now in the process of becoming. That old sense of unworthiness and failure must go. It is false, and we are not to believe in what is false. We are only to believe what is true about ourselves. We are masters at the art of living. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Matthew 5.16 You know, I actually talked about this one that we, so many times we read that and we think, oh, we just need to let our our faith and evangelize, you know, tell our story out there. Let our light shine. (coughs) But in reality, we are to let the light of Christ within us shine for the world to see. Are you shining your heart out to the world when you go into it? And that's by doing and saying everything and giving glory to God. That is shining. That's light. The Christ light. It's not hiding who you are. It's being yourself. Your true self. Finding about yourself. Using your imagination. Having wild dreams. And shining that out for the entire world to see. Because when they see it, they'll be encouraged and want to go along with you and follow Christ. That is part of what you want to do. So now, let's look at some practicalities. One, we need to ignite our imagination. And we need to practice that. We can't just automatically ignite our imagination. And why do I say you need to ignite them? Many times when we were kids, like I said before, we were told not to have dreams. Those are just dreams. It's not reality. Right? And so they stifle our imagination. A good friend of mine um did some work with her and Pastor Joe and doing some imaging and she had a really tough time with it. And skip forward like fifteen years, we were at a conference together, just you know, last year I think it was, and it was about imagination and prophecy and dreaming dreams. And the one thing that struck her was I have such a hard time hearing from God. I have such a hard time dreaming and having visions And it's so easy for you. And I'm like, well, oh, it's not really easy, but it's just something that has developed since I was a kid. And she said, no, but I don't have dreams. And she realized at that moment during that conference that her imagination was stifled by her parents. And once she realized that, it gave her freedom to start imagining again. And she started to have more breakthroughs with her relationship with God, with relationships with her family, and with other things. And it was really cool and fun to see. And I was so excited for her because now she's starting to ignite her imagination. Did it come overnight? No. She has to practice it. So in this book, it says to start small. So every day, just take 10 minutes, sit alone, and imagine what's number one on your list of your heart's desires. Sit and imagine it. Ten, to, ten minutes a day. What you're going to do, and probably what you'll find is you'll start increasing the time. And actually in the book it tells you to do 30 minutes. Of sitting alone and just using your imagination. Using your imagination to set your goals. Dream your dreams. to speak with God. Whatever it is, use your imagination. And as you practice, it will become something that is just part of you. And you won't have to practice it anymore. Um. Let's see. Next one is vivid details and wild dreams. Dreaming big is essential to stepping into the supernatural realm. And with seeing impossible things made possible, don't dream comfortable dreams. Um. I just. I bought a book last night because I was reading something on her online. Jennifer LeClaire's book, Dream Wild. And that was a quote from her book. And she says, we dream comfortable dreams. We, have, we all have dreams. We all think, oh, I just want to have this. But we dream comfortable dreams. And she's telling us, don't dream comfortable dreams because God has not asked us to dream comfortable dreams. He has asked us to dream big to use our imagination to dream big, wild dreams. They need to be vivid, they need to be detailed, and they need to be wild. And because of that, we're going to grow in our faith when we do that. Because guess who we're going to trust? Not ourselves, because we can't do it, right? When we dream those big, wild dreams, we're going to start trusting in God. And that's going to grow our faith. We have, um, we have to grow our connection to the heart, mind, and thoughts of God through both the Word and His Spirit so we can start believing for His dream for us. Dreaming with God causes our faith to be formed, refined, and our identity solidified. So when we can dream big wild dreams, where faith is going to grow, it's going to form, it's going to be refined, and then our identities are going to be solidified. And we can use start using our imagination to dream these big wild things. And that's gonna take risk. Um, read you know a story about Sean Bolts, and he was living in like Kansas or something, and God had given him a dream to reaching the entertainers in Hollywood. And he knew it was gonna take a risk to follow that dream that God had for him. And his wife was like, No, we're not going to that basic hellhole, right? We aren't going there. He got um, stopped so many times that he thought, gosh, is this really what God wants from me? But he took risks to going and now he's got a successful um, ministry to the industry. And what he is doing with actors and actresses and, and musicians is amazing. There's a lot more Christians in the industry than we know or we even think. They're just not always the loudest. They're working behind the scenes. And they are doing amazing things to bring glory to God in the industry. So we need to take risks. There are going to be things that God's going to ask you to do, and you're going to say, Well, that's crazy. Why would I want to do that? Dream big and wild, you have to take risks. Um, Maybe it's sharing prophecy that God gave you a dream, and you're thinking it's for the church. When we first started this church, but it was known as Robinwood, not well. And Kathy starts laughing because she knows God gave me a dream. And I mean one of those bizarre, so out there, really weird, disgusting dreams that I sat bolt up in my bed and went, What the heck was that? I said, Lord, what was that? And over the next few days the Lord started revealing to me everything that the dream meant. Everything that the dream meant. And it took me a while because I was afraid to share. But I had to take a risk. And so there was a small group of us that met early, like 6 30 at Denny's with our waiter Santos and we'd have breakfast and we would pray about starting this church and the plans we needed and all that stuff. And, um, Kathy and Dave were there and I and some others and, um, I'm to think who it was. But um one morning, and they knew this, they I didn't know that I was going to come with the plant, the church plant. I was thinking I was gonna stay at the big church and that I would just kind of help send you off. And um especially after I had this vision or this dream, and so I, I took a risk because everybody was so positive and so excited about planning a church, and this dream was weird and it was giving us some warnings about things we needed to do to put into place before we could plant. And so I said, okay, you guys, I've got a really weird dream that I had, and I believe it's for the start of our church, and I have to tell you really fast or I'm going to chicken out. And so I told them, and they all stared at me like that. But guess what? And they all said, we agree 100%. We were feeling that too. And so each one said, we were feeling that there was something missing. We, we agree with you. Did everyone agree with me? No. I went to other people that I needed to go to, and they shot me down flat. It was my fear. It was my whatever. Mainly it was my fear. It's just your imagination. That's not God. The devil. I mean, I heard it pretty much, all of it. And that was hard to hear. I'm going from one thing. I took a risk to tell. I took another risk, and I got lambasted. And that took me a while to recover from that. But I've learned that when you're speaking for God, if God gives you a vision, if you're going to grow in your faith, if you're going to have imagination, dreams, big dreams, you got to take risks. And not everyone's going to support you. But that's okay because the only person that needs to support you is our Father in heaven. That's it. So take risks. And then five, we need to learn to differentiate the voices in our heads. So, in your head, if it's creative, encouraging, convicting, hopeful, loving, it's God. Right? All the happy stuff. Except for the convicting, that's hard, but the disciplining part. It's done in love, but it's still hard to hear. <coughs> if it's destructive, criticizing, negative, faithless, it's from the evil one. Does that make it simple to differentiate the voices in your head? If it's not uplifting, that's not God. If it's trying to pull you down and pull you into places that no one should go, that's the evil one talking in your head. And you ask the Lord to take it away. No, you actually say, Lord, no, this isn't in my head anymore. Get out. And I do that when I start having negative thoughts or my imagination becomes destructive. I say, Lord, this isn't of you. So Satan, get out of my head. I don't want these thoughts. And you're not allowed in my head. Only Jesus. Only Jesus in my mind. I have the mind of Christ, not the mind of Satan. I have the mind of Christ. So Satan, away from me. God, only you. Is that easy to do? No, it's taken me a long time to practice that and to do that. But you need to do that. Use your imagination until you be... Until, until your big dream feels so familiar that its manifestation is the next logical step. Dream it until it's the next logical step is just to step into it. We all have been there. Richard Branson, you know, he's done a lot of good things, right? My dyslexia has shaped Virgin right from the very beginning, and my imagination has been the key to many successes. In a blog post, Branson said, one of the strengths people with dyslexia often have is a vivid imagination, noting that Thomas Edison, Henry Ford, and Steve Jobs were all dyslexic. They help me think big, but keep our messages simple. The business world often gets caught up in facts and figures. And while details and data are important, the ability to imagine is more so. And I think that's huge. And if you get a big business man like Rinser Branson, who didn't, I don't think he completed high school to owning this company and doing, you know, all these things throughout the world. That's pretty impressive. So this week's assignment and next week's topic. This week's assignment assignment is to start to ignite your imagination. Practice in your head. Take that 10 minutes every day. Find a quiet spot where no one will bother you. Turn off your phones. Leave it in another room so you're not tempted. Because I have to do that because I get tempted. So, and just sit, close your eyes, and imagine your dream. Whatever it is. Maybe it's health. Maybe it's to start a new business. Maybe it's to have more success in your business. Maybe it's to have a family. Whatever it is, start imagining it in your head every day. And let's see what the Lord's going to do with that. Because He loves to answer our prayers. Is that the path? Start imagining, start asking God to be in it, and to help help you accomplish it. So That's our assignment. Next week's topic is Paul's Night Vision, Acts 18.9, Turning Crisis into Opportunity. It's going to be, if you've got the book, Malts chapter 13. But I said earlier, I wanted to read the story of Judges um, 1 through 22 of Gideon, because it wasn't just those two men that had an imagination that could, God could use. But it was Gideon's as well, and this story is connected. fantastic. Can if you just keep up? Thanks. So Jerub, Baal, that is Gideon, and his army got up early and went as far as the spring of Herod. The army, armies of Midian were camped north of them in the valley near the hill Amorah. The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. Therefore, tell the people, Whoever is timid or afraid may leave this mountain and go home. So 22,000 of them went home, leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. But the Lord told Gideon, There are still too many. Bring them down to the spring, and I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. When Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, Divide the men into two groups. The one group in one group put all those who kept water in their hands and lap it up with their tongues like dogs in the other group, put all those who kneel down and drank with their mouths in the stream. Only three hundred of the men drank from their hands, all the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths in the stream. The Lord told Gideon, with these three hundred men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. So Gideon collected the provisions and rams' horns of the other warriors and sent them home. But he kept the 300 men with him. The Midianite camp was in the valley just below Gideon. That night the Lord said, Get up, go down to the Midianite camp, for I have given you victory over them. But if you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Pirah. Listen to what the Midianites are saying, and you will be greatly encouraged. Then you will be eager to attack. So Gideon took her and went down to the edge of the enemy's camp. The armies of Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east had settled in the valley like a swarm of workers. Their camels were like grains of sand on the seashore, Too many to count. Gideon crept up just as a man was telling his companion about a dream. The man said, I had this dream, and in my dream a loaf of barley bread came tumbling down into the Midianite camp. It hit a tent, turned it over, and knocked it flat. His companion answered, Your dream can only mean one thing. God has given Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite, victory over Midian and all its allies. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed in worship before the Lord. Then he returned to the Israelite camp and shouted, Get up, for the Lord has given you victory over the Midianite hordes. He divided the three hundred men into three groups and gave each man a ram's horn and a clay jar with a torch in it. Then he said to them, Keep your eyes on me. When I come to the edge of the camp, do just as I do. As soon as I and those with me blow the ram's horns, blow your horns too, all around the entire camp, and shout, For the Lord and for Gideon. It was just after midnight, after the changing of the guard, when Gideon and the one hundred men with him reached the edge of the Midianite camp. Suddenly they blew the ram's horns and broke their clay jars. Then all three groups blew their horns and broke their jars. They held the blazing torches in their left hand and the horns in their right hand. And they all shouted, A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Each man stood at his position around the camp and watched as all the Midianites rushed around in a panic, shouting as they ran to escape. When the three hundred Israelites blew their ram's horns and the Lord caused the warriors in the camp to fight against each other with their swords. Those who were not killed fled to places as far away as Beth Shetah near Zerah and to the border of Abel Maholah near Tabah. God can do anything, you know. Far more, this is from Ephesians, we just went through. Actually, I'm not going to go there yet. Gideon had to trust the Lord to go down from, what, 32,000, 33,000 people the 300, to fight an enormous, well-stocked group of warriors. He had to have the imagination to visualize what the Lord was telling him, to do everything that the Lord said. Come on, how strange is it that the Lord says, pick the ones that laugh, you know, like a dog. God gives us very weird dreams and visions at times to do powerful things for him. We just have to have the imagination and take the risk to follow him in it. Gideon had imagination. The two Midianites that were talking, the one that had the dream, the one that translated, had to have an imagination as well. To hear from the Lord, they didn't even believe him. So many, I've seen so many non Christians have dreams, prophetic dreams and visions. Have no clue what to do with them, but they have such a vivid imagination they can have these dreams and prophesy. I did as a kid, didn't know what they were, didn't know why, didn't know who God was, nothing. But I had dreams and visions and words of knowledge. I told you guys that before, I always thought I had ESP or something. So, God can use anyone and everyone who has the imagination to know. So, in Ephesians. through 21. God can do anything you know. This is from the Message Bible. God can do anything you know. Far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, by working within us. The Spirit deeply and gently within us. God doesn't push us into anything. He doesn't want robots. He wants willing partners in this world. He wants willing partners in life. He wants willing partners that will do his work, that will have the imagination to dream big and wild dreams, to take risks, to be open to dreams and visions and words of knowledge, to help expand his kingdom in this world, to be lights and letting our light shine. That's what God wants from us. The key, the key to success, is using our imagination. We have the worship team come up. Why don't you guys all stand? Father God. Um, Right now, I just ask that you ignite our imaginations in this room. Lord, help us to dream big and wild, vivid, detailed dreams. Lord, help us to see ourselves as you see us. Help us, Lord, that when we have fear to take a risk, that you send encouragement our way, just as you did for Gideon. So that we can move forward without fear and trembling, but with confidence in you that you will get the work done. Lord, it is not by our own power, but by you, our faith in you and by the guiding of the Holy Spirit that we can meet our dreams, reach our goals, to be like you, to spread your light, Lord, bless us today and going forward with wild imagination. Help us to ignite that, Lord. Help us to have wild dreams, wild imagination. I'm taking this for you. All for your glory. All for your glory, Lord. Not for ours. Lord, be with us as we continue to worship. Bless us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.